Yes, yes, yes. Yo, you already know what it is. Coming to you live in effect from the Tri Cities. It's Tri Town Tori, and I got my homegirl Lyric in the house. How's it going, Lyric? Hey, what's happening, bro? Glad to be here. Hey, if you're listening to this, you already know a couple things. One thing for sure, two things for certain that we are in season two of the Tri Town Tori Tori Talk podcast. And we're coming to you live in effect like we always do. We, got, we carry a large array of different topics. My podcast primarily is to focus on the artists and the entrepreneurs of the Northwest and all the way down the West Coast. And we even go down South and we might pop up on the East Coast. Fuck it. We might go to Canada and see what's popping with Tory Lanez and Drake. But we do it all and we all make it pop in the Northwest because that's the pivotal hub for what we do. So I got my homegirl Lyric in the house. And if you know anything about Lyric, then you're in for a treat because the things that we're going to talk about are only going to go to enhance the story that you know. But if you have no idea of who Lyric is, you're going to get your introduction here today. And now the way that I usually start my podcast is I like the origin story. I like to take it back to the very beginning. You know, I want to see where somebody comes from and I want to see where the seed is planted as far as their love for music and art and culture. So, Lyric, if you were going to take us back in that DeLorean, you know, that time machine, where does it all start for you? Where, where do all the elements come together for you? Man, uh, when I was young, honestly, I started in the church, singing in the choir. Um, as I got older, I started writing poetry um, just off of things that uh, things that I went through in life. Um, you know, I wasn't raised with, uh, with my mother, but I was raised with my family and... Uh, also in foster care as well, you know, but just being able to vent somewhere um, where people could see it as art um, at, at the end of it, 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 it never started as art. It, it started as, as my life. Mm-hmm. You Expression. Me? Yes, it did. Yeah. Yeah. It started as um, being able to, to put my, my pain and my emotions or my happiness down into something that... Um, that I could go back and look into his memories. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's that's what it started as, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, and as I got older, you know, I started doing the poetry slams and singing in the choirs. I did the jazz band, the jazz choir. Then I started playing instruments um, and recorded my first song at age 18. You feel me? In a walk-in yeah. closet. Oh, dope. Yeah. And, so you uh, got music in the family. Right? You got musicians that play? Oh, yeah. Uh, my dad, actually, uh, he was a member of Earth, Wind & Fire. You feel me? There we go. Yeah, okay. my pops, Danielle okay. Atkins. Um, he there was signed go. to the Warner Brothers in the 80s. He had a group called the Atkins. Mm-hmm. Him and my uncle were lying. Mm. And um, I think one of his sisters, I believe, if I'm right, don't quote me on that. But, yeah, it was a, it was a dope thing to know that that's where I came from. I wasn't really raised with them. I never really reached out for help. Um, with this music thing, I always wanted to, I've always been independent. I've always wanted to just kind of make my own name for my own self. You know what I'm saying? So um, you don't necessarily use your, your ties? No, to, no, not To at get all. you anywhere? Not at all. Where does the love for hip hop, like, start? Do you remember buying a cassette or a CD? You know, because I'm an old head, so. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I remember living at my auntie Athena's house, man, and uh, she bought me this karaoke machine when I was about 13 years old. And um, I remember putting in blank tapes and playing regular songs. Like I remember when the Usher uh, the Usher album came out. But the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when that came out, man, and me and my cousin used to go down there and I would throw the microphone over the, 
the yep. HVAC, the vent. Yep. Because I had my room downstairs and I would throw the microphone over it. I'd plug it up to my, my boom box and I'd put on Usher songs or Ray J songs. You know, this was <laughs> when Ray J came out uh, with his One Wish and uh-huh. Marcus Houston came out with his okay. in the club. All that shit. That was a golden era. B2K, you know. That was a golden era. Yes, it was, sir. So that came out and uh, all of a sudden... You know, I'd put those tapes in and we'd make our own songs over them. You mm. know, kind of just little funny stuff. Karaoke kind of style. Yeah. Like, yeah. But then I started really getting into it. Like, I really started singing the shit out of that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And realizing that music was what made me feel alive. You feel me? Mm-hmm. And it was it was at that moment that I knew, like, this is, this is something that is going to be my everything. This is something that is going to make me feel... Like I can push through anything mm-hmm. at any point in time in my life. It was like uh, a way of feeling whole, mm-hmm. a way of feeling complete. Yes. Because you said that you mentioned that you've been through foster care and things of that nature. Yes. Um, if you could speak to a kid who's listening to to that right now and they're currently in the beginning stages of that sort of life, um, you want to give them some sort of encouragement or motivation. What would you tell somebody who's you know a young kid? about getting through the tough times of foster care? How would you motivate them? How would you empower them? Man, I would just tell them, stick with your siblings. Um, I know that's one thing that happens in the system a lot. They get separated from their siblings. Um, Me and my brother and my family as well fought for me and my brother to stay together. And we're very close now. He's one of my best friends. And um, I would say do that because people get lost. You know, people forget where they come from. They don't have a piece of themselves with them. They forget where they come from, and it's easy to get lost in the system and succumb to gangs and doing just a bunch of things that um, make you feel like you're like like you belong to something. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Part Fit of, in to yeah, something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Part of the reason why I went to the streets was because I, I felt abandoned. You know, I felt abandoned at one point by my parents and my mom. You know. Uh, you know, she did. She did what she did. Um, she was in the streets a lot. You know, she was she was on dope a lot. And so, mm-hmm. I, I was always looking for a mother figure, um, and I found it in a gangster. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I was looking for a father, and I found it in a gangster. Mm-hmm. And um, I would just tell him, don't don't go looking for love in the wrong places, and keep those that you your siblings, and keep those you love close to you, because they're always gonna. When when they know your best intentions, they're always gonna remind you of where you came from and what your and, and what your life is worth. So, what would you say to the young kid who wants to be on the the defense against fake love or misleading love? They can kind of uh, kind of brainwash them into thinking shit's one way when it's really not. And like, is there a way for them to? Because these young kids, they're so smart. You know, they all they really need is you know a push in the right direction. Not necessarily a push, but a nudge in the right direction, and they can kind of figure it out on their own. But I know, like, me personally, when I was growing up, I couldn't decipher what was real and what was fake as far as love that you would get from the streets or friends or whatever, you know, like, in school, because I just wanted to be accepted. Right. I just wanted to fit in with somebody, anybody. I didn't care who. Whoever the first people who accepted me were going to be my homies. Right, right. Uh, If I could look back then, what I would have told myself then now is take your time take your time and don't necessarily like just jump to any kind of invitation to do anything you know just just be okay with being alone understand that feel like that's feel it and understand it's a real part of life 
and don't and just know it's not gonna be forever you know because a lot of us we jump to things like joining gangs or or getting a, a girl pregnant to start a family too early because right. we just don't want to be alone you know and I think that that's part of your story too you know like a, a lot of us artists we long for something that's so deep and so eternal that we couldn't mm -hmm. even recognize it if it walked in front of us mm -hmm. yeah, right that's true so you let's take it back to when you're first starting making music were you in california when you were making music initially um no i really started made like creating music in the tri-cities but i started being a part of music like in the church when i was in tacoma seattle started up at uh, hilltop church the okay. surehouse surehouse church up on hilltop and just so yeah. i just so i get my facts straight where where were you born I was born in Indio, California. Okay, okay. So yes, I knew that you came from California. Right, right. Right. But but you played lived a large part of your life in the Northwest. Right? Yes. Um, I was raised in Lakewood, um, my auntie Athena out there, uh, the Gregory's, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And uh, I moved out here due to, you know, my actions and me just wanting to be be out there and just be grown, you know. I was, I was playing ball, but I was a all-season athlete out okay. there and uh i just lost sight of um my my goal and just wanted to kick it too much mm. you know I, I let uh you know the girls and you know the parties and all that stuff kind of take over me and lost sight of my my basketball dream you know what i'm saying because um, mm -hmm. i was good i was always good in sports you know but um I've always been more good in music. I feel like, mm -hmm. I think at the end of the day, I did. I feel like I never really lost. Mm -hmm. um, I, if I could go back and change it, my actions, I'd slow it down. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I do a lot of things. Um, I stay more disciplined mm -hmm. and in my studies. Uh, that way I have a better backup plan, like my family always said, you know, to have a backup plan, um, you know, but coming into now i I, re I realize that everything happens for a reason mm -hmm. you know and there's a reason uh god gave me this voice and this talent to do this um and it's always a bigger reason than how we think it is yes it's, it's a bigger meaning bigger picture it's bigger than us mm -hmm. yes yeah and, and if you're like me you didn't always see that sort of perspective no um sometimes we when we're younger, we just we, our judgment is clouded, and they want to say that we got our head shoved up our ass or something. Yeah, you know? like we know it all. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that might be true to a certain extent, but I think that deep down inside, a lot of people want to do what's right, or they want to they want to end up where where they need to be at. Right. And I know that we don't discover our purpose right away when it right. comes to making music and and things of that nature. Um, you you came up in a different environment than a lot of rappers around here in the northwest because it's chill out here but it's not cali chill you know it's a different vibe you guys have a natural like ambiance that comes from the environment in which you live but then also to counteract that there's the environment in which you live right. where it's lit it's live yeah you have to be alert 24 7 because that one minute that you don't look to the left could be the last time that you don't look to the left. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, that's man, that's so real, bro. Um, I think it's easy for for people to succumb to the things around them when they don't really know the people around them. Mm -hmm. You know, you can know somebody face value, mm -hmm. but not know who they are behind closed doors. You feel me? Mm -hmm. And that's always there's always a story behind how some how somebody is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and I think it's important to know people's story. That's something I always learned from my brother. 
Um, he always taught me, talk to somebody because you never know what their story is. You can judge somebody before you talk to them and never know who they are. Mm -hmm. And it kind of cheats you and them. Right. Because you guys could really be a lot further in your guys' friendship or communication. Right. But instead, you're too busy clinging on to your idea of what is reality. You, who did we think they are? The perception. They, yeah. Yeah, that's real. And you know that, like, like how we met. We met through CJ. You know, right, right. Um, uh, our homie CJ. Shout out to him. Uh, and I think that that's really dope because under the, without him being our link, right. if we see our, each other out there in, in, at a show or whatever, whatever, we're rappers first and foremost. And rappers have this natural bullshit about them where they just like, oh, you, if you don't come up to me, then I ain't gonna come up to you. Yeah, I know, and I that sucks. I. And we all do it to a certain extent because yeah. maybe we just don't feel like talking to anybody anyways, right. you know, but but we make it personal when it comes to a one-on-one and do like, hey, did you see so-and-so at the show? How come you didn't go say hi to them? Like, well, they didn't come up to me. Like, yeah. how, how am I going to look going and say hi to them if I don't know how they feel about me? Right. You know, I, I'm going to go be the clown that goes up and, and shows love, daps you up and you're like, man, get this motherfucker out of my... You yeah. know, like yeah. I would hate that because it's like I would never want to inconvenience you if that's the kind of energy that you're riding. If, you, right. if that's your wave, I don't I don't want to get in front of that. I don't want to be around that. But a lot of times, a lot of good music, a lot of good situations, shows, collaborations, like whether it's music or fashion or whatever, is waiting on the other side of your fucking ego. Yeah. And That's we just can't like. get to it sometimes. And it's because of the deeply rooted childhood shit that a lot of us go through, where we feel like we have to be all about ourselves. We gotta have back against the wall. You know, like, I can't trust anybody because they're gonna stab me in the back. Yeah. Or yeah. keep the grass cut because the snakes are, are waiting for me, you know? Yeah, it's a common mentality, man. Um, it's something that I feel like is engrailed in every person's mind that's being come into hurt or come into um, disloyalty or betrayal mm. I feel like that is a setting that we just turn on but it's also it can also be a setting that you can turn off I mm. feel like um, mm. it's it's a choice not to want to trust somebody it's mm. a choice not to want to believe something that comes out of somebody's mouth even though that's what they're telling you you know and you have no reason to not necessarily you no, yeah you have no reason not to it's like their Carfax clears out yeah yeah you know come on saying? come on yeah yeah so I I think it's so interesting because these are the things that people don't put into words and therefore they don't fix because if it isn't on the table, how can you fix it? Right. Right. And I know that there's a lot of rappers that are homies. They're fucking friends. Like they're friends and they don't even reach out to each other. So when they see each other in public, it's like, oh, it's weird, you know? And that's some weird shit because if you allow that much distance and time to come between you and your friends, you got some sort of issue yourself, no, you know? That's why I like with me and my friendships, I could literally hit them up and be like, yo, you know, how you doing? You know, it's been a minute, but what's popping with you? I'm still the same motherfucker, you yeah. know? You know, since it's been like a year or so since we've kicked it, but yeah, yeah, you've been popping up in my memory so much. Not just my real memory, but like the stories and everything the social oh, yeah. media re regurgitates towards you, right? Oh yeah, vice versa, man. It is, <laughs> it is crazy because you're just like, man, we were doing that much work? Yeah, work, work. You know? Like, we were we recorded damn near an EP. And it, I saw the collaboration when we brought the homegirl Alicia through. Remember? She's she's dope. She's dope. She hit me up and she said, you know, thank you for the for the opportunity to come out and do that. Right. And, and I said, you know, I just love when I, when I can make those things happen because I can see it in my head. 
Yeah. So I feel like I can bring it into reality. Right. And when I try to do that, if all parties are all systems to go, then we can do it. Right. You you are very unique in the sense where you're very welcoming and allow people to enter your domain as long as they show respect. Right. Be- because you love the intrigue. I feel like you love the intrigue of life where the unexpected could happen in the best possible way. Yes, sir. And that's what I live for too as well. We understand those things. That's why people come around us because we're fun. Yes. We make things happen because we know what's possible. And we've seen it happen before. So we can recreate the magic whenever we want to. Yeah. That's why you could get rented Airbnb out, Airbnb out, hit up a couple friends, and next thing you know, you got 20 people in there kicking it cold, you know? Oh, we're freestyling. Freestyling. That was the uh, last tour, man. Drinking the last tour. We yeah. didn't get into that, that's for oh, sure. Oh, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, but just to cap off this idea, um, we kind of showed the spectrum of what happens when you don't reach out to people that you know or... Or people you don't know, right. and what you cheat yourself of, the possibilities that could come of, of you actually communicating with those people. Yeah. And I think that that's an important thing to see in its full spectrum because there's a lot of young rappers that they don't want to look dumb, they don't want to do things that are gonna uh, confuse their fans, the little bit of fans that they got. So they would think that they have to just be one character, one dimension, and they can't really change from that, right? Yeah. When in reality, you can be a whole three D motherfucking character out nah, here, real. yeah. And you could be moving, walking, doing your whole fucking thing. I document a lot of the things that I go through in life because it's the second nature for me to save the memories, but also to project myself for my fans to see. Come on, yeah. you know. So I don't think it's weird when I take pictures of, of real life events and share them with my supporters because my supporters are my fans. They're 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 my family. I don't see a difference between the two. Yeah. And I'm rare because I know that the rest of the world doesn't operate in that sense because there's like a, a divide between what's private and what's uh, which re- what's um, public, right. right? Yeah. But if you think about it, the internet has dissolved every sense of that being a possibility anymore. I mean, without thinking about it, your private world is now the public world, because you can't Very nec- much, yes. you can't necessarily say anything that won't get you in trouble in the public domain because everything is up for game. Yeah. If you rub the wrong amount of people wrong, then you are subject to to being the next person who's offended, and really? the next person who's in cancel culture or or, or whatever the situation is. I, I I had a thought recently. And I was thinking to myself, like, back in the day, you could go outside and you could be like, fuck the world, yell it out loud. And that there wouldn't be an issue with that. But now, if you do it, if one person hears it, they can call the cops on you. And now, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? And then it turns into this whole thing where there is no more freedom in that sense. Because if if the only place you can be free is your home, but then your, your phone projects your home to the world. It's like there is no freedom in that sense. We give it up in guise of entertainment and, and, and you know. We do, man. I, that They call it the land of the free, mm-hmm. the home of the brave mm-hmm. for a reason. You know what I'm saying? Because they, they tell us that we're free, mm-hmm. but you have to be a whole nother type of brave to be able to stand out mm-hmm. and not get shut down True. in this country. Like the baby. Way. Yeah, that's Hon- true. Honestly, I, I'm going to give it up for, because uh, I understand nuance. I understand nuance, and I understand yeah. that somebody who talks... In jest doesn't necessarily mean that that's how they feel about something in real life. Like, for example, when the baby was criticizing uh, or when he was making slanderous statements towards the homosexual community and and, and, and just saying really nasty shit in a weird way. I took it as him joking with his friends. Like, he was just joking, right? But you did it on the world stage. 
because the internet has all these cameras on you. So now, yes, so going now back to what we were saying about freedom and how there's no real freedom anymore. Right. Because if you were at a concert, you're performing, you know that it's going to get around the internet. You think, huh, it's a joke, right? Everybody knows it's a joke. Right. So I shouldn't be canceled because of this. And then immediately it comes out that, that that's how you feel. And now you can't change that narrative. Not at all. So you get dropped from every fucking festival except for one. I think it was Hot 97. Yeah, that's, that's tough. That's got to be tough. Right? Man, like, it's a, it's a part of rejection from something that's loved you and got you where you are. So how do you take it? How do you battle your fans on that? How do you battle the people, the promoters, the managers? Who do you please? Then, yeah, how do you battle that? Who's, you know, who put you on? So it's like, I had to be a tough position, you know what I'm saying? In, in that case... It's like feeding <laughs> the wolves because the wolf that you feed the less is the one that's going to eat you. Yeah. So you have the, the people, you have the entertainment industry as a mechanism, you have all the groups that run the mechanism. You got so many different beasts that you have to feed in order to keep the one wolf from eating you. Right, right. And the one that you stop feeding is the one that takes you out of entertainment or your life or whatever the situation is. So it's just really interesting how when nobody does anything, these systems create their own side effects. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How crazy is that shit? And it's all, I feel like it's all American-like. It's yep. all... It's, it's part all, of the machine. Yeah, it's part of the machine, man. That's... And that's what Pac was talking about in a large sense when he talks about how America likes to eat its own babies. Mm -hmm. and, and, and he saw for he saw it for what it was because the same thing that'll hold you up in the light as soon as that's no longer favorable, that'll be the same thing that brings you down. Come on, yeah. So, so like, look at Pac. They they loved that he was a womanizer until ag allegations came out of him raping somebody. Indeed. Or R word. I don't know if we can be demonetized, but you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, nobody nobody would ever say that word in a, in a proper way. Like, you know how there's a culture, there's like a rape culture yeah. in, in America where... Uh, I, I'm almost not ready for to tackle that conversation because you have to be very careful about the whole like consensual and non-consensual thing. Yeah, I get it. But yeah. I think I, I might have to have you co-pilot yeah. me yeah, on yeah. that one, right? <laughs> I mean, come on. We could tackle that one, but maybe on another pod. When we do round two, maybe we'll tackle that. But there's a whole like, there's like the kink world, right? Right, right. And how they make certain things popular in an underground sense. But if these things were to be taken to the mainstream level, yeah. then it horrifies the masses and, and, and you could be convicted for st such things. Like, let me give you an example. Marilyn Manson. I'm going right down the fucking Ooh, lines. Yeah. Okay. This guy, it's no secret that he's always been into very rough shit. I mean, he puts it in his song lyrics. He, there's in girls that, in his really? videos. <laughs> if he wasn't into that kind oh, of yeah. shit, I'd be surprised. No, for real. Right? Well, you get these girls who get into these relationships with these guys knowing that they are the way that they are. And we know that some women are actually into that sort of play. Right. And this is that whole conversation. Yeah. I have to tread lightly, uh -huh. but I love the Sorry. way this takes us. So let's say that somebody likes to be into that until it's no longer favorable in a relationship. Maybe a different, something else is pissing her off in a relationship and she wants to use that against you. Yeah. So now when you were doing all these rough things that was exciting, it turns into you were doing all these rough things that were abusive. Mm, yeah. And it's very hard for you to, to back yourself up knowing that you did put hands on somebody. But maybe it was in a consensual way. Right? But they're saying that you did it in an abusive way that wasn't consensual. And I'm not standing up for Marilyn Manson. I'm just talking about the whole topic. Yeah. Because I'm creating a scenario that's hypothetical. So let's say that you were like 
very rough in a relationship with a girl, right? Yeah. But then she turns around and says that you beat her. Right, right. And she could be going off of her mind state knowing that she's actually done physical things with you, but knowing that that's disingenuous because you, you've never actually felt that way. You never ever brought pain to her, like in that regard. But when you were in the bedroom, you guys were rough. Yeah. And this is a crazy topic for Tori Talk, but I love it so much, so I'm gonna continue to go. So let's say that that comes up and is the reason why you get canceled or the reason why you have to go to jail or which mm. seems to be the story for Marilyn Manson. Yeah. Doesn't that go back to our Tupac thing where he was a womanizer on songs and everybody loved him because how do you want it? You yeah, because right? yeah, sexual songs, you know, right, right, right. the vibe. But then when the girl, let's say a girl comes through and says, no, he raped me. And you know that you did have sex with her? She's going to be, it's going to be easier for her to lie because she knows that a physical act was done. So she can kind of harbor her emotions off of what that situation. And I'm speaking only particular to this case because I think they found out that that was incorrect. That Pac did not rape her. Right. Right. I'm speaking to like somebody who's a compulsive liar or pathological liar and how they can play an actor role to get their their lie across yeah and and it's so much easier to get your lie across when you've actually physically had some sort of hand in what you're imagining yeah are you still with me on this or yeah, i'm yeah. off because yeah, i want to yeah. i kind of want to go a little bit further that's when i think this whole internet shit gets weird because there's the digital world in which you have an avatar that's not physical in any kind of sense it's just in people's heads it's an imaginative thing yeah and then you have the real physical person who has to live the life day to day, who has to go to work, who has to raise his family, her family, whatever the situation be. But in this digital space, lies can become true. Mm -hmm. So we have a real interesting world because immediately it's always she's right. Believe her. And I totally believe that that's 99.9% .9 of the time. Yes, that's always the case. Believe her. But for that point zero 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 one or whatever. It's the way of the world, man. When you got money, like, mm -hmm. I feel like they're more likely to believe somebody that has nothing because they have nothing. Mm -hmm. So they're like, why would they lie? Exactly. You know, but what they don't look at is why wouldn't they lie? Mm -hmm. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, exactly. this person has all of this power. You uh -huh. know what I'm saying? Yep, and you want to take from them. Yeah. You want to take uh, either clout or, or, or financial gain or whatever. Just want to see them burn. Right, right. You know? So, like, when this happens on a corporate level, is this the new Illuminati that we're seeing? And what I mean by that is when they can unplug you from the world. Oh, yes. <laughs> and your music's out of the library. Yeah, that's some power, man. And your performances are out of the festivals. Like... This is a plug-and-play kind of Illuminati. Man, it's... If that's the worst thing you could do for somebody, I think, is... Is you're going after somebody. I watched an interview today with uh, Mozzie and Lavish D. Mm, mm. And, uh, man, they got some mad... They got mad years of beef going mm -hmm. on. And one of the main things that he said was... Um, Mozzie didn't go after his, his name. He went after his money. Mm. He just went around. He said, one thing that I heard from every man, model, promoter, producer that I talked to mm -hmm. was don't fuck with him. He mm. says, don't fuck with you. And that was all it took, bro. Mm. Was just a conversation of your unlikeliness to work with somebody or fuck with somebody. Mm -hmm. 
and them be on the same mindset as you because of the power that you have. Mm. Like, that shit hit me, bro. And I was like, man, that's just how that it's a cutthroat industry. Yeah. Like it's really like that though. But you're even you're even speaking deeper to like how things work on a local level too. Right. Because it all comes to the source. Ooh, let's let's do this. The Tri Cities is very interesting when it comes to making music locally. Yes. Because you have your kings and queens. You have people who have achieved their, their notoriety or their success by their own merit. So they have their own fans and they have their own way of life. They have their own culture, so to speak. And like every king has a kingdom that he feels he must defend. So he creates moats to put in between him and anybody who isn't a part of his kingdom or her kingdom. And you realize that the Tri-Cities has been like this, if we're talking in the same sense, for so long that we don't even see when people used to really rock with each other. Right? For real. Real talk. It's, yeah. So yeah. W- when you have a change is when you have like a jester or some sort of, like somebody who isn't taken serious, who kind of runs through all these empires and kind of brings so much attention to the ground. Like when you are having to look at the, the citizens as opposed to the your own kingdom, like to what's going on that's when you start to change your mentality about how popping you are yeah <laughs> so these kings and queens are, are are looking over their castle walls and they're seeing a jester who's just turning up out there and making people followers of him or her yeah. i'm describing what i've done in the tri cities myself because when i came in the game i had nothing i had no cosign i had no credibility the only thing that i had was my love for the music and knowing that i had the ability to create a unique uh, flavor of what the tri-cities had to offer so rather than running into somebody's castle and trying to intern as a fucking knight or you know like get myself up in some royalty or something i couldn't do that because i didn't know the proper way of communicating my way through the the very entry level of each kingdom Mm -hmm. because you have to grow up with motherfuckers right you have to go to school with motherfuckers you know you got to know how those kind of handshakes and those kind of things work and if you don't have that information good luck you ain't gonna last in the moat let alone on the doorstep right yeah so while this is going on i realize i don't need their attention i don't need their love i can actually make them pay attention to me and act like they don't fucking exist that's real and that's what i did in the tri-cities what i did is i created my own brand of tri-cities music I found a sound with my own buddies, my own family who were producing, and we created our own sound out here. Yeah. And it got to the point of where we were shooting music videos and creating anthems that people were singing outside of Tri-Cities in Washington that were about Tri-Cities. Word. I have people it's in like Montana going, Tri-Tal-Tory, we did it in a day. They hit it on a story, we did it anyway. My way, the highway, the words I didn't say. I put away rappers like they put away their tapes. Hey. You know what I'm saying? They're screaming Tri-Town Tory in Montana or fucking Oregon or Cali. So <clears throat> what I want to do, I want to bring this all the way back to, to, to us real quick. When you realize the difference between what you're used to and your new home, mm-hmm. your new stomping grounds, and you know that you're built to survive in more high pressure situations, two things can happen. You can either dominate an area because you are balling like a fuck, like, like Julius Irving in a fucking middle school basketball game. Like you're the, the most experienced person in your radius. 
So you create such a wave that the rest of the world kind of latches onto you, or the rest of the town latches onto you. And it doesn't matter that you're from out of town anymore, right? Or you level out to what's going on out here and blend into the sound and create a more organic underground approach that's like a bubbling. And then when, by the time that you are popping, it's too late to remove you. Yeah. Because you're deeply ingrained. One, one speaks to more of a temporary and one speaks to the longevity. Do you think that you're more of the longevity type where you have to bubble over time and kind of like deeply ingrain yourself in a yes, sir. in an environment? Yeah, I, I, I do. I truly do because I, um, I feel like I don't ever, I don't ever, I don't ever disappoint people as far as music. Um, I feel like my content is something everybody can relate to, but at the same time, people know the story because they've been listening since the beginning. So I feel like over time, people that have listened to what I've had to say, you know, stories through my life that I put in my music, you know, or just experience or just having a good time. You know what I'm saying? That kind of stuff that I put in my music people other people hear and they're like damn like she's she's actually saying something and then they're like okay well this is that music that we've been wanting and the more people that catch on that's where my fans come from i feel like mm. a lot of my loyal fans like loyal fans of lyric like that's where they come from mm. is being being there since the beginning that's what i mean when i say loyal fan of lyric. oh hell yeah because that's that's what i've noticed uh like when you see pictures of, of people wearing your merchandise. And oh, word. I brought you some tonight, too. Man. Oh, yeah. I, I, I had some... to, you know, I had to bring you a gift, hey, man. Thank I brought you that in the mixtape. I appreciate you so much. You know, I got the same thing for you. We, we got, I got, the, I got some on. stuff for you, too. Yeah. Uh, and I, that's why I love you, too, uh, honestly, because ever since I met you, um, you're one of the most giving, most generous people that I've ever met. Um, I remember seeing, seeing you do things for people that would inconvenience your own day, but you knew that if you helped them out, it, everything was gonna work out in the end. Yes, sir. You, you know, and, and that's a characteristic that you don't see at all anymore. I have I another that. friend who's like that too, my buddy Tyson. He will do anything in the world for people, but sometimes, you know, I feel like it doesn't always come back to him. Um, and that's unfortunate. But what I try to do is I try to put him in everything that I do. Like he's in that's a couple right. music videos. Yeah. A couple yeah. shows that I've had, he's opened up and did his own comedy set. Yeah. Because he's a fan of hip hop, but you know, he's a white guy who who's a pro MMA fighter at one point. He was ex military. Um, he's a comedian now and a barber. Like Yeah. So I meet him where he's at. Right. And and, and he's gonna listen to this and, and I think he'll appreciate what I'm saying. Uh, hey, he, weird. He, he look at the podcast. He was my first guest. He did two episodes, part one and part two were my first two episodes for Tory Talk. Yeah. You see, like, Ooh. if that isn't supportive of everything that I do, I just don't know what the fuck support is. And, Come right? on. I'm yeah, telling that's, you. that's support, man. I have a friend like that. So I love him. And, like and, and, and it's weird because we, it's almost like we can't say that we love our friends, which is retarded. Because yeah. I tell my friends that I love them all the time. But right. I think it's because we're so deprived that just to hear somebody say it, it's kind of shocking. Yeah. You know, like, oh, you, that motherfucker loves things? That's suspicious. <laughs> yeah, no, for real. Yeah. Uh, but I like that people like us, we wear our heart on our sleeve, and we make it cool to kind of be in our own truth, our own skin, you know? Yeah, um, it's a little dangerous sometimes, man. <laughs> can you speak to some of the dangers of being man. authentic, being real, you know, being living your own truth? You know, like, speak to some of those dangers. Like, It's, um, man, just... 
waking up and knowing that every day that you have a passion to get to um, and trying to balance everything around you Mm -hmm. and make sure those things are in order with your life and your paths and what you believe. Mm -hmm. Doing that every day has to become so important to you when you have when you have a passion, when you mm-hmm. have a dream, you have to realize that it goes in that order. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Your passion, your love, your dream, your balance. Mm-hmm. It's all one in one in one. You know what I'm saying? You're big on balance. Very, very. Um, it gets out of order sometimes. Uh-huh. Sometimes you can get lost for a little bit, but you come right back. You have to Ooh. come right back to it. Let's talk yeah. about balance. Let's talk about how we balance things out. Like you, yeah. sp- you have your own brand of a way of, of thinking when it comes to this and I love it so much right. how do you restore balance like how do you make sure that you're even you're you're on an even keel where you're leveled out I tap right back into myself I I I meditate and I put that I have to recharge you know you meditate to recharge yes yeah do you do self-care yes I do Yes, Meditation, self-care. Yes. We're creating kind of like a checklist for, for people who are listening. Because when I heard about self-care, I thought like, oh, that's the thing girls do. Nah, it's right? something everybody should do. Right? Yeah. But I found this out because some uh, I had a homegirl who told me about like skin products that you could like wash your face with. And, and, yeah. and also like bath bombs that have like fucking... Cooling gel and shit in them. You right. Know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's all the sort of you know, like yeah. taking care of yourself. It's important, and very, you realize that that's the reason important. why some people dress up. Yeah. Because when you dress up, your dress, your your best self is coming out. Come on, yeah. Because you're not gonna, your depressed ass self is not gonna get fly. Not at all, man. You if anything, you're gonna be in sweats and a hoodie and just mope around and shit, you know. Yeah. Which is fun too sometimes, but. Yeah. 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 <laughs> But real smoke, though, if you have an album to drop, if you have mm-hmm. videos to do, you want to be 100. Right. That's real, man. And I noticed that about you, that I never see you where you're not popping. <laughs> like, where the tags are not popping. <laughs> yeah. Know, it's always crispy. Yeah. It's always I appreciate fresh. that. And yeah. I wonder, does that, come from, does that come from where you come from, your environment, or does that come from the time period in which you came from? Man, that comes from just trying to feel good about myself. Uncle always told me, if you look good, you feel good. Mm, Timeless. Yeah. Classic. Yes. Yes. But who was dressing like, like, who gave you the blueprint? Like, this is how we do it, young blood. Like, man, I just, I can't really say much, man. I just, yeah, I I just swag out, man. I just do what I feel. I just do what I feel like, man. Some original. Yeah. I mean, man, I used to match my my drawers with my bras, man. There you (laughs) go. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, like just, I used to iron them in the You got your own code of ethics when it comes to to the drip. I don't have my my drawers and my socks no more, but (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I still match, you know what I'm saying? I've just always been, you know, kind of color coordinated, but I I love the drip, man. I I love the swag out. You know, let me answer. I'll answer the same question in my my life because I want to give it a little nuance. My influence for like my style and like how I dress kind of comes from my uncle. I have hey, an uncle, yeah. my uncle Junior, who he was the one who was tatted up. He was a graffiti artist. He used to wear all the the fresh like Tommy Hilfiger, the '90s shit like Nautica windbreakers. 
Oh, you know, yeah. like the fucking he had hats on hats on hats. He, oh yeah, man. You know, he yeah. he would have the red sneakers that he would do with the light blue jeans with the white tee and the fucking hat. Like that's the way he dressed. It was right, real like right. graffiti, real skateboardish before you know that was a thing. Yeah. And, and, and I looked at that guy like, God damn, like that's that's, that's how <laughs> yeah. I want to look, He's like fly. real shit. And he was older than me. Like if he was. He's probably like ten years older than me. You know what I'm saying? But that was enough for me to have like the, that, like uncle, like that's like an older brother slash uncle kind of like vibe. You know? So I looked at him as like somebody who was very influential to me, even outside of who my dad was. Right, right. Because my dad is obviously the most powerful influence on who I am. Um, you know, for good or for good or bad, yeah. sometimes. But my uncle really the drip and that came in the dna from from watching him you know what i'm saying so yeah. so to give the whole spectrum some people it's it's in them it's not on them oh yeah it's definitely in you, you know what i'm saying yeah so so that's what you. i always appreciated about you too is that you're almost the polar opposite of who i am but also who i am mm-hmm. because i feel like my grind and my work ethic is only put to shame by someone like you who also is always thinking about music, also is always writing, also always has access to recording themselves and has the ability to drop whenever they want and can make music videos happen whenever they want. You're very much so like an artist who I would want to align myself with under any other sort of circumstances. Let's Let's say that I blow the fuck up and then I get all this motherfucking bread. You don't think I'm gonna be looking for some to do some 50-50 deals? Oh yeah. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. No, my boy's doing that right now. <laughs> that's the kind of energy that I wanna bring. I wanna turn this all into a business in the Northwest that, yeah, that, that also is an institute. That means that we create safe ways for people to express their art in a, and for in the future to get the royalties and have their family set up. I think we can do this smart. You know how like the every industry every industry that's out there is geared up to make the person who has to take the sacrifices also have the most consequences, which is unfortunate. How is it that you're paying the most into something and yes, you're gonna get the shit end of it and it's gonna fuck you up? That's how so many things are. Right, right. But in this new industry that I see, the new Northwest that I see, I see it being ran by like cryptocurrency. And Indeed, NFTs sir. and NFTs being a big part of it, and also because the metaverse is coming, so music's gonna play a big part. Artists think that they ain't getting shit, getting paid for shit now. If they're gonna be relevant in the next 10, 15 years, they're gonna get paid more than they ever have. Yeah. It, but it's all about having the foresight. Because if you have music and you have the ownership to it now and it's online, it's gonna convert over into the next internet, which is the metaverse, right? And when that happens, the value of everything skyrockets. Because you can only, ah, you can only be in that world if you're rich. That metaverse is gonna go right next to the, the regular internet. So the rest of the world is poppers are just yeah. gonna have the fucking low rundown internet world. It's yeah. gonna be like Flintstones and Jetsons. Mm-hmm. Because in the metaverse, you're gonna be able to live in any kind of fucking futuristic world that you like, and the technology will cater to it. There will be yeah. things that are only possible in that world that in our world we wouldn't even be able to see. Right? That's interesting. That's just, I like that. Right? I like that. So check out music and, and all sorts of art are going to take shape. It's going to be like the final frontier for art. Yeah, Because is. music is going to be priced at a, like an NFT rate. Because if you're in this world where you everybody has fuck you money, it's like every performance is a sweet 16 for a millionaire. Yeah. It's like everything it's that you do. It's a world of entertainment. 
It's a world of rich people. Yes. Only rich yeah. people. That's they exclude I... us from it completely. And the only access that you have to it is through some sort of entertainment. This is a real interesting concept because us putting words to it is actually building it in my head. That's real. And I can actually see it for what it is. But imagine a world where regular people who work regular day-to-day -day jobs or, or not middle class by any means, but they're just getting by. They don't know anything that's going on in this fucking utopia that's going on in the cloud. Yeah. And that's where everybody's brains are going to be at. But the best part of it is that you can send something that's disposable off into it and it brings back bread. Mm. You're sending music off into this world and it's bringing back checks into this reality. That's what the goal is. And that's what the future is going to be like. Yeah. But the whole thing is, is getting there. And you got people who are retiring from music every second. Mm. Quitting music every second. I couldn't do it, man. I could never do it. <laughs> I couldn't do it, man. No matter what I go through, no matter what comes at me, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't give it up. I couldn't stop. I think that the pace that we're going... We're going to have it all. That's real. Because we're just getting steam and getting started when people are already throwing in the towel. No, I, I know, man. I've, man, I've just been out here in Tri-Cities for 10 plus years. I realized that some of the guys I grew up with doing music with, they mm -hmm. are no longer doing music anymore. Like, mm. I've seen guys out on the street riding bikes, you know, just off it. You know what I'm saying? Like... And it's, it's a sad thing to see. It's like dodgeball. Yeah, man. It sucks, bro. It's like, damn. You know why I say that? Because when you ever play dodgeball and you kind of like ducked out in the corner mm -hmm. and waited till everybody got killed off. And yeah. then you came out and you were like, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. And you're and, like, you're, I'm still going. Like, yeah. And then you win. And then That's you win. True. Yeah. That's my whole thing. That this has always been dodgeball for me. Come on. And I knew that when everybody was turning themselves in. That I was going to be the last one to pop out. Like, we ain't done yet, bitch. <clears throat> and then yeah. that's when the Northwest hits its peak. Yeah. I put it in my name. Tory Northwest. Because that is the goal. That go. is the victory. The victory is victory Northwest, Tory North. Yeah. I, I hacked a game, man. I tapped in from the inside and it worked outwards. Hell yeah, bro. So that's why I have the confidence to say that I know we're going to see it all. We're gonna see this music thing manifest into its highest form before it's all said and done. Yeah. And only a few privileged folk are gonna see it from our side of things. No, that's and that's real. That's so, true. That's why I want all my friends now. Oh, <laughs> 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 like everybody after 2022 just might not might not be around me, man. I might not trust them. Like you're gonna lift the the what do they call that the the. In the castle with that the drop bridge. Yeah, I'm gonna have to drop the bridge on these. Like, I mean, and not really. I just mean like I'm gonna have to be a little more careful. I don't mean like I'm gonna. Have to, I'm not gonna make friends after that. I mean like, I mean, after it's a certain point, you have to monetize what comes into your life. I mean, you should always do that, but I feel like the more you evolve, the more you elevate, yeah. the more the things that come at you. Yeah. That is so unexpected. True. That's real, and I don't know why the why life. It just moves like that. Why things gravitate towards you like that? The more it's a game. that you do things, I think I really think it's life just testing you. It's a test. It is, but I feel like at the end of the day, when you know that your path is is a, is a certain one, you're you're always trying to alter to move to make sure you stay on it. Mm -hmm. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah, because it becomes the only path. 
Yeah. You will eliminate any other path just to make sure that it's the only one. You that you that's ever go the through. only one. Yeah. And I, I think Passion that to be your love. a lot of us will do that in our relationships where we will completely burn relationships down to the ground because we know that it's going to be a lot faster when we have less weight to carry. Mm. And maybe I've been a victim of that in the past where I know that it was going to take a lot longer for me to get where I needed to go if I had to continuously check another person's feelings. Right. So maybe I have to play into some of the things that I've gone through, but that speaks to consequence. That speaks to being an adult and making those decisions when you need to. Yeah. Because if you continue to move down a path that has red flags, you can't get mad if you get impaled by a fucking red flag and it ends your shit. You know what I'm saying? That's the realest, bro. That's the realest. And that's facts because um, I've been in... Okay, let's just say this. I don't think that under any kind of other circumstances I could have made what I have going on now happen faster. I had to go through everything that I ever went through in order for me to create the stairway for me to get to where I'm at now. Yes. In your life, you had to create a couple stairwells a couple times. The same ones. A lot of times, bro. Because when you told me about how you were into sports and a certain thing derailed it, and then now you're into music and the possibility of the same things may be coming back and derailing that too. What could you speak to on getting over some of the things that we know plague us? Like, let's say that we have a big heart and we allow people to get in and do any kind of damage that they want. And we do it because we're just good people and, and we like to make ourselves accessible to those who are in need. You know, like, when is enough enough? Like, when do we say, no, I'm not going to continue to change things up for you? You know, like, is there, is it easy? Like, is it an easy oh, answer? Oh, man, no, it's not easy. It's, um, it's easier said than done is what it is. But I think the more that we realize who we are and we're around people that remind us of who we are. Yeah. Is the clearer the path. Boom. The way to our, back to our path. A hundred percent agree. A hundred percent agree. Yes. I think that. The people, you're, it's energy and conductors, right? Yes. If you have your conducting field, every time you go around those beacons, you light up. Yeah. Because you know that the electricity still flows through the yeah. connection. Yes. Right? So as long as whenever you go around the people that you know, when the connection goes, the light goes on, you're still within the range that you need to be to be successfully yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? You yeah. haven't changed too much where you're so far gone that nobody can get to you. Right, right? right? So when you come around Indy or when you come around me or when you come around one of your homie, other homies that maybe I don't know of, um, you got a lot of homies that maybe I don't know of that have the same connection with you. Right. And maybe you're that beacon to other people that come around you and you light them up, right? Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that sometimes the light doesn't light up? Mm. Yeah, I mean... You come around somebody. Yeah, you charge somebody up so much. Sometimes we give ourselves to people so much, to a love so much that we believe in. I, I think most of it is like looking for love in the wrong place, mm. you know. And that's going back to what what I would tell a young kid, yep. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, nip that, nip that habit, nip that. Um, that longing that longing and, and it's and it's something that's created that can that can be filled mm-hmm. only with spiritual guidance i feel like mm. um 
other than that, I feel like it's just all it's always gonna be a hole we're always trying to fill. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But um, getting back into it to make that make that person know that you're gonna be who you are regardless is the only thing that will offset you changing mm. or anything. Mm. And once you cement it, then it, there ain't no change in it. Right. And as long as the world understands that, they can function in your orbit. Right. And that's important because that goes in the workplace, that goes in relationships, that goes in public life, that goes in private life. Yeah. If people know that you're ten toes down on your principles, they have to be cool with that. Yeah. Or else they can't function in your orbit. Right. Right? Yeah. And I think we lose sight of it sometimes. We kind yeah, of allow we allow viruses to hack our, our software, so mm-hmm. to speak. And it's because we know that we're doing it, but we're okay with it. It's a form of self destruction. Mm. Because yeah, if you know if you know that something is bad for you but you still ingest it. It's like you want to perish. You want to perish. You want to decompose. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You want that about you. Yeah. So I, I want I urge people to really know themselves, to have a self awareness of themselves, and realize that we disguise things as we sugarcoat things as other things. When we boil down the truth to what it really is, mm-hmm. it's a lot more dark than we imagine. But we just don't want to face those kind of things. And and I was a young kid having dark thoughts, like man, like what the fuck am I even doing here? You know what I'm saying? A lot of kids have had those kind of thoughts. Man, yeah, unfortunately. And what I want them to know is that you have to find your purpose, and it's not going to find you. Your your purpose is never going to knock on your fucking door and say, hey, start paying attention to this. Come on. So what you have to do is be so self-aware of your environment and who you are and what your life is. You got to be real. You got to think about what it is. You got to think about it from the whole aspect. Like, you got to have a perspective where you're looking down on it like the fucking video games that people are addicted to. Yeah. Right. But once you have that sort of insight in your life, then you can actually start to boil down the fat on what's not working. Come on. And yes. when you do that, you can collect that fat and you can monetize yeah. off of it like we did with music. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But what's left over is your real life. Yes. So you have to attend to that immediately. And I think that when we're growing up, we don't have people who tell us these things because maybe they don't know the language. Right. But if we even heard the words once like we do in the music like that we listen to, it has a powerful effect subconsciously if not immediately overtly so if it doesn't take effect the next day it's going to take effect maybe the next year right when i used to listen to eminem and 50 cent and 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 and, and, yeah mainly when that era started i started being real introspective of myself because i was you know 12 13 years old i started rapping i started writing about the life i was going through and i started to realize a lot about myself Mm -hmm. what do you think about what do you think about mental health in the in the aspect of psychology? Like uh, like thinking about yourself and like who you've learned you are and how you've been able to get through some of the mental hills and peaks, you know, valleys and peaks. I think that releasing is something that a lot of people don't really understand how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people release in a lot of ways. People are to where they it, it almost becomes an addiction um like meditation can be addicting mm-hmm. um but it can also be an empowering mm-hmm. and healing thing mm-hmm. because you feel so good having all your energy you feel so good feeling good yep endorphins everything yeah everything but something else can also be addicting 
the love that you get from someone that could be either for you or completely not mm-hmm. what you need. Toxic. It's toxic. But it's addicting. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, everybody tries to get a release somewhere. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, whether it's in a relationship or whether it's substance, substance um, every way, I think just finding the right release. Mm-hmm. There's always, a, not, I can't even say proper, there's always a better way to release. Right. Than something that's gonna hurt you. Hurt you. Harm you. For, yeah. for sure. Total 100% agree. Yeah. Like there's people who love to race. So what they do is they go to the track and they race on the track. It's legal to race on a right. fucking, right? So rather than racing on a hillside that they roll off a cliff and die, there's yeah. a safe release for that. And I think you're right. I think whatever your release is, there's a safe way to go about it. That's why like I have a, a Triton Tori. I say um, some people pop pills, see me, I smoke weed. You know, any kind yeah. of fish. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, 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 and I really wanted to get it across that like the same things that you're doing to get a certain release from pills, mm-hmm. you can get organically safely through marijuana. Yeah. Like if you smoke the right kind of shit, the right strain, you are going to feel the right kind of way, however you want to fucking feel. You yeah. don't have to damage your liver, or damage your fucking body in some sort of way. That's b- real, Because man. it's easily accessible because somebody's grandma gave, gave you their medicine cabinet key or something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So... Self-destruction is big with artists. Mm-hmm. Suicidal thoughts are big with artists. Yeah. I can honestly say that I never had suicidal thoughts until I thought about suicidal thoughts. Man, it's a it's a contagious thing. It's Almost. weird because you can't even study it without becoming a victim to having your own sort of like thoughts. Thoughts. Yeah. Because like I've tried to study like other people's suicidal thoughts because I want to see what the components are and how they end up there. And then you, it's a quicksand trap because suddenly you're thinking about your mortality and right. and like, oh, what if you were to kill yourself? But then it's like, that's not my thought. That's just the inner monologue that I'm that I'm hyper looping in my head to observe it. Yeah. So to speak. I feel like um, I feel like it's a, it's it's a tough it's a tough thing that people battle. But it's real, mm-hmm. and I know that. Facts. Um, my my brother passed from suicide. You know what I'm saying? In 2014, rest in peace. Rest in peace. Um, yeah, and it wasn't easy. It, I mean, shoot, it wasn't easy at all. Never gets easier. Um, but you always wonder why you get mad at them, and then you wonder why, and then it crosses your mind one day. You know, sometimes like when you just think too deep of it. Uh, I feel like everybody in their life at one time thinks about it mm-hmm. in their life at one time and it sucks that life gets that tough but there's always a better day there's always more life more always. love more beauty that you can see if you just stay yes 100 percent. yeah and also to add what you're saying there's been times where i was so depressed that I felt like really down on myself, like, man, like, I don't know how I'm gonna do the rest of this life shit, right? right? And then the next day you wake up in a different mindset completely. Just exuberated. <laughs> it's like, I can't believe I felt that way yeah. until the next time it happens. Right. So I think it's really important to monitor yourself day by day because that's so, that's because I feel like a depression is something you can pull yourself out of if you wake yourself up in it. Right. Because I, I've heard the term, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But I never really understood it until I put it into the context of you waking up inside of your depression. 
Because you could be doing the same things that you always do when you're depressed, but you never call yourself out because you never really realize that you're going through the motions. Right. You're just going through the motions. But I realized that the one time when I took my little girl to the park because she was begging me to go and I didn't really feel like it because I was kind of, I, I was just coming off of a sick, being sick and I was down in the dumps. I did, nothing felt right. Nothing looked right, you know? So I was just like, uh, I don't really want to do anything. She got me to go to the park and she was smiling, having a great time, laughing, running around and I was chasing her around like a zombie because I felt like, ugh, all dead. And then I asked myself, I'm like, dude, are you really this fucking depressed? Like, are you really this bad that you, yeah. even the, the, the person that you're living for right now is running around having the time of her life and you're not enjoying any of this? When yeah. I asked myself that, I, I, I snapped. Real quick. I caught yeah. myself. I woke myself up. And the next, you know, I was smiling and I was chasing her around. And then by the time we were done playing, I was a different version of myself. Right. I believe that this shit is fucking true. Yeah. That you can look in the mirror and smile until it fucking works. Right. Yeah, I mean... You're a proponent of positive energy. You are somebody who always carries a positive being, a positive energy around yourself. How do you find it? How do you find it? I just don't allow the things that have happened to me to succumb me. I feel like if I wore that on me, I wouldn't be me. I'd I'd be the worst version of me if I wore all of that on me. It's not fair. It's not fair to do that. It's not fair to you. It's not fair to me. It's not fair to the people. The people that I'm... I feel like... So you care so much about everybody that you can't allow that to happen. I can't. That's a, that's an interesting perspective. Yeah, man. But it's... Because that shows how much you actually care about everyone. Yeah, man. I do. And there's, some, there's a science to that, I feel. I feel like you power your own energy because it's like solar power. You it have is. a solar power thing yeah. going on. Happy acts, happy thoughts do for people when they come back to you. That's so fascinating. Yeah. No, it's because true. Man. You I can tell teach young people. people you can yeah. teach people how to do that. Yeah, yeah, you can. And I, I do. I do teach people. See, now we're getting to somewhere. Because now yeah. we're, we're tapping yes, into something that let's I want to talk. Let's get into that. Let's, yeah, let's do it. All right. How do we install the? How do we? How does this work? How does it install? How do you do this? Man, it just it has to start with you wanting to let go of everything that's that's burdened you, everything that's hindered you in your mind. From, forgiving yourself. You have to forgive yourself, yes, but you also have to forgive people first. You have to forgive the person, uh, okay, okay. and that in, empowers you to then forgive yourself. Wow. That's how I feel. So you have all this freed up hard drive space in your heart, in your soul, in your mind because you've allowed other people to to leave your orbit. Yeah. Mentally, spiritually. The connection, the soul tie is cut. Right. I mean, I feel like we're all put on this earth for connections, Mm. to connect with each other. And that's all it is. If you think about life, that's what it is. It's connections everywhere. We're connecting. If you ain't helping, you're hurting. Right. So the connection has to be healthy or it shouldn't be a connection whatsoever. How are you connected? Mm. You know? What's the source? That's what that's what I'm saying. And it and when all when all comes back to your soul and your mind and your body and how you are, 
I think everything can be it's e everything can be so easily deterred. You can easily get off of your balance of who you are mm. and the the energy and your mindset and where you're supposed to be in life and what you're working on, what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, all of that can be deterred so easily. But it's just as easy to get yourself right back into mm -hmm. your your mental space of where you should be, your cloud. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. I, th I think that what's really fascinating too is that we're kind of putting all these things together. Like I've asked you about like, like uh, where you kind of kind of got your flair for style and stuff like right. that. But we tied that into how dressing up is important mm -hmm. to combat depression and, and, and feeling like yourself, you know, feeling as a whole. And then you also like caring about the people who are around you and not subjugating them to the worst version of yourself yeah like there's so many we're connecting the dots and we're creating like a blueprint mm -hmm. that people could follow to achieve some of the enlightenment that you have had right. yourself and i think it's fascinating because the more and more that we put these people are gonna have to listen to this podcast a couple times oh yeah through. they I might even have to take some notes <laughs> yeah i think they will because i think that it's very important because i see something in you that i know is true so i wanted to bring it out into the world and what I know is that you have the ability to overcome any kind of mental, any kind of mental thing that's holding you back. Yes, it could be something that's happened today, tomorrow, the past, any kind of time period, but you are able to not let it affect your future moves. And you've said it yourself. It's almost like something that, that you've installed that that's powered by you. It's like an electric car. Right. Right. Yeah. You're a Tesla for yes. God's sakes. Yes. You know yes, what I'm sir. saying? So you don't need anything but God's energy to, mm -hmm. to be yourself. And yeah. I think that, can we speak to the importance of, of having that connection to a divine entity? Like, because I know a lot of people, they, they start to stop listening when you start, start to mention, you know, the Lord or, or what have we. But I think we live in a time period where it's no longer taboo to speak like that. Kendrick yeah. Lamar has made it very popular to speak about, you know, God. Kanye has made it really popular. I mean regardless of motivations i really think it's important that, that people today understand that the picture is so fucking big that we couldn't even understand what it is if we looked at it right it's all god's plan it's all a part of a plan that's so much larger than we are yes it is and if we're conscious to this level that means we have a part in this yeah because why would we have all this information for now right i was just power man do you have a connection like with, with a divine entity? You know, like God, where you feel like he's present in your victories? Yes, I do. Speak to Always. Um, I could go so deep into that. I love it. Uh, <laughs> that's just, it makes me happy, man. Um, just to be for real, it's something that I've really found on my own because me, you know, being a lesbian, mm -hmm. um, I've always kind of felt like I could never really be in a church for, you know, sakes of judgment. Not saying that I care absolutely what somebody thinks when I'm hearing the word of God, mm -hmm. but there's, it's just, it's not the rejection that I want to feel in something that means so much to me. That's just to say that. Mm -hmm. But I do have a relationship and I've built a relationship mm -hmm. with something divine i feel like i'm more spiritual than religious mm -hmm. because i have a relationship with god and i pray i do pray i pray mm -hmm. every night mm -hmm. um and that in turn 
allows me to have someone to speak to, to lay out everything that I need to at the end of the day. Like cleanse your palate, so to speak. Yeah, every day. It's like resetting almost. But you have to be fully in your mental for it. You have to, I feel like, not, you don't have to be fully in your mental. I feel like it feels better when you're in your mental for it. But I mean, I, I do it whether I'm faded or, you know, do you wake up sober, the, you know? You wake up the next day with a, like a clear head, a clear conscious, like knowing that you kind of like washed your hands of the day before with with your conversations that you have with with the, with the Lord, whether it be mentally through meditation or or verbally through a prayer. Um, is that what you feel? Do you feel like you clear the air, so to speak? Like, you know, when you hit the ball and you just air that bitch out, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no. how I feel like it is sometimes. Yeah. That's how it feels for me. I mean, sometimes it does. Um, I know when I do things in both, because they say, they say when you pray, your, your, your giving, like your, your giving, your your spiritualness, and you're connecting, you're connecting. But when you meditate, you're listening. Mm. You know what I'm mm-hmm, saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like it takes both, because mm. your mind has to be one with your body. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, supporting to eat right and all mm-hmm. that, you know what I'm saying? Like, along with being being active, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And so, um, I think it, it goes it goes all in one, you know what I'm saying? I think at the end of the day, when you, when you wake up in the morning, if you feel like you need to release right at that moment, mm-hmm. right? You know, some people start their day with a prayer. Yep. You know, just because they prayed the night before and they slept heavy. Mm. You feel me? Right, like, right. um, I've been learning that to just go to that to that as my mm-hmm. my solution every time. Mm-hmm. You know, my uncle taught me that, you know. He's like sometimes when we battle things, we battle spirits, we battle thoughts, they're spirits. Mm-hmm. He's like everything can be your spirit. Yeah. You know? It comes um, in many forms. Yes, it does. So it's important to know that your solution is your armor, mm-hmm. you know, which is your prayer. Yeah. You know, that's your battle armor. That's your prayer. You your know? faith. Yeah. Your belief in something much larger than you protects you. Yes. But it feels something divine comes. You, The connection that you feel with something divine when you pray and you have a prayer answered or you meditate and or you align yourself, you unblock your align your chakras, and you wake up that next day with the amount of energy. I didn't used to believe in all this stuff, but when I finally did it, I was like, man, they're not tripping. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's an actual force, it's an actual energy that your you lifestyle feel. changes. Yes, it does. Your life changes because you literally you start operating in a different fashion immediately. Yeah, and I tell so many people that mm. like that talk to me about meditation and things like that, and praying. I tell them like, man, and. Hey, it- it's amazing how you found it on your own organically. Yeah. But you had to go through things. Oh yeah, man. I went through a I went through a lot before I had to spiritually ground myself into like this is what you're this, this ain't right. Like you need to find find your soul, find your spirit. But you've always been self-aware. Mhm. To a certain extent, right? Look, right. where you know what's going on with you. Oh yes, yeah. For how long? Like when did you start when did you start realizing like, oh shit, I got this like like, I have this inner monologue, like this, you know, because... It wasn't until I tapped in, like, I I started, like, experimenting with, like, binaural beats 
and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's an ancient form of um, healing and meditation that they used to do mm-hmm. back in like ancient Egyptian days and mm-hmm. um, Japanese times mm-hmm. where they would play these beats, these healing beats. And mm. it's in today's music. Like, as we speak, uh, I know Jenny Aiko does it. Okay. Um, a lot of people put healing beats and drums, just like people put frequencies and stuff mm. in their music to make people react a certain way. We re- right. Our brain reacts to frequencies, um, whether we know it or not. It's an energy. Everything moves through frequencies and energy. What's amazing is that people play around with a lot of this stuff without knowing what they're playing yes, around with. Yes, sir. That's amazing. Yes, they do. Because would, I would love to see what I'm putting out there. Like, if you were to read it down to, like, okay, he always picks these frequencies for some reason. And it's like, what kind of energy am I putting out there? You know? Like, that's, right. I would love to that, know that. Yeah. That's... Because a lot of us are unconscious to the things that we do. Like, there's the lyrics that you put on the, uh, on the flow. And there's the delivery, which could mean intent of the lyrics. And right. then there's um, production, which has a whole different aspect of its own. Oh, yeah. So productions could be yeah. speaking to somebody in a certain way, and the mm-hmm. lyrics could be speaking the opposite way. Right. That's kind of how, like, that Kanye hurts. West works. Yeah. You know, Kanye will have a beat that's really, like, super cheery and uplifting that, that, that kind of gives you the, the feeling that this is who he is. Right. But his lyrics could be saying the complete opposite of, of that. And that was more so before his, his Jesus is King... And like this God, like this this uh, this stage he's at now. Right. Before that, you could definitely tell, right? Because he was he was very ironic, where he would be saying one thing, but you would get the impression that he meant another. Yeah. You know, that's that's always been Kanye's music. He always put a lot of humor into things to make things lighthearted. Yeah. Um, what I've realized is that when you get big enough, it really amplifies what your intentions are. No, it does. Yeah. So, so something that maybe might be lighthearted or a joke to you could really boil down to being something completely wicked. Mm-hmm. And that's very interesting because the bigger you become, the more powerful that your influence has in a negative or positive way, just depending on what your true intentions are. Yeah. I tell people that all the time, man. And people don't realize it because they're only as big as they think they're ever going to fucking be at any given time. Right. Yeah, if you work in an office job, you're like, who's the most power I'm ever going to have? Right? But us artists, we know that it's a sliding scale. Right. Oh, yeah. You could be small today, <laughs> and then tomorrow you could be the biggest thing in the fucking world. Right. So it's important to, for us to understand the magic that we have and our ability, but also to understand the power that comes with it and garnishing it, making sure that we don't let it get out of control. Indeed. Yeah. Do you believe that self-control is always... It, I always heard self-control is more valuable than gold. And what, I'm, what that means to me is, like, you can buy people with gold. Right. But there's people out there who you can't buy with anything. Very much true. That is very true. And those people right there, as far as I'm concerned, are king. And unfortunately, they don't always have the things that kings have. Right. They might just have a nice, modest home and a nice car and, you know, a family that loves them, which is everything in the world. But society won't look at them as anything special. Yeah. Just some, another brick in the wall. But those people, it doesn't matter to them. Yeah. And these, that's where I think I would like to be. If you live life long enough to see what's really real, then you end up admiring the guy who doesn't need to be on center stage. and Or the girl who doesn't need to be on center stage. Right. 
and has the house already, like a little ha modest house that's within their means, paid off or on their way to paying it off. Their kids always coming home for the holidays and loving their family because you know that your kids are going to get big and then leave you one day, you know, the same right. way that you did to your folks. Yeah. I think that we get so caught up in our fucking bullshit mm -hmm. that we forget what's really real and what really matters because you hear about people beefing with family Oh, yeah. All sorts of crazy shit. And you're like, how the fuck could you beef with your sister? But it's out there. And people are doing it because they think they're going to live forever. Yeah. I, man, people. That's people, man. Um, if I could heal the world, man, I would heal the whole world, bro. Mm -hmm. But it, it's not like that. It just know? takes too much time to it's try to. It's too much. You don't have enough time. So you have to focus on your craft. And that's what in turn heals the world. Right. Because look at Pac. What was the saying? Spark the mind. He might not change the world, but he sparks the mind to somebody he who definitely will. Few man. Look at Kendrick. Yeah. Pac met Kendrick when he was a little kid. I bet. So that spark was more of like a fucking tit, like flame, a like flare. Like, <laughs> yeah. You, you... Oh shit! I just made a connection. Hey. Hey. When Kendrick Lamar did humble. Ooh. And his fucking head was on fire. Mm -hmm. It's because that was the spark that Tupac lit to change the world. Mm. He said, I'm going to spark the mind of the kid who's going to change the world. So in Humble, when he has the fire on his head, he's the mind that sparks ah, to change the world. Is Kendrick yeah. that deep? He probably is. I, I know he is. He's Because what is very this? Poetic, man. What was the fire for on his head on Humble? It had to be that. That's the That's only why he's thing. Humble. He's giving his, he's giving his, uh, his, paying his homage. His homage to he's Pac. Paying his homage. That makes me like Kendrick so fucking. Yeah. If it wasn't even possible, like things like that are the reason why I like that motherfucker. Yeah, no, and he's very, yeah, he's very political. Very. Wow, that's deep. If no, only, is, in order, and the only way that you can be that fucking legendary and iconic is if you think about things so profoundly that you can. You can take them apart and put them back together. Yeah, he's a genius. Yeah. Sorry, this turned into a Kendrick. Uh... That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> but the way I feel about him is the way you, you, most people feel about Nipsey, too. Like, mm. we're talking about Californian, yeah, you know, him. gods, you know? So these two guys right here in particular uh, would be on your, your California or even rap Rush, Rushmore, Mount Rushmore. Yeah, yes, indeed. You know what I'm saying? Nipsey, Kendrick probably put me personally i probably put cube up there snoop mm -hmm. you know just that right there alone you know that really means a lot to me yeah. when i was I growing up tupac i mean not tupac uh, uh doggy style snoop dog doggy style yeah was one of the first records that i ever had oh yeah and i was like three or four years old like when that shit came out i even had two live crew at that age you know what I'm saying? I, this hip hop shit is so deeply ingrained in me that that I mean nobody could ever tell me a fucking thing. You know, yeah. like, they can't say I'm not hip hop because I said I get my whole life is incubated through it. You know right. what I'm saying? I hear you. So like, I feel like I am a voice that people can listen to and know that there's authenticity tied behind the things that I say. Right. And. You're also somebody who I respect in the sense that when you say something, I know that has your stamp. Oh, yeah. It has your yes, stamp sir. of approval. You're never going to push no bullshit because you never have to. Right. There's been times where you had my back that I didn't see something coming around the corner and you saw it coming around the corner. 
so yeah. you put me on game you know things like that the authentic your authenticity level is what i determine my respect from you because you could be the most caring individual in the world but if i see you should walk around the corner and do some crazy shit then i have to discount it as so you know right right but if you 10 toes down and you have a big heart it's like this person surpasses the grading scale that i could give them you know you're just that kind of a person who i would love to put on a stage or put money into invest into because i know that the message that you're going to put out there is not going to poison or taint anybody's minds because you give a fuck about people, you care about people. People like you make me double think my appreciation for certain idols. You know? It's that way sometimes, bro. Like, we were talking yeah. about Kanye West a little earlier. I mean, I think a lot of Kanye West fans want to see him win so bad because they want to see themselves win so bad. Yeah. Because he represents what a lot of us are. Oh, yeah. They're fighting the battle with him. And the reason we admire him is because he takes risks when some of us don't. Right. But he has, because he took risks when he started to be able to afford the risks, Mm -hmm. we think that he takes risks like since the beginning. And he could have very well taken risks, but he didn't really take a risk until after the car accident. When he got in the car accident, that's when you started seeing him wrapping through his fucking jaw wire. That was a huge risk in itself. And then after that, Jesus walks. That was a huge risk in itself. Like, and then he did all the like, like as you start to continue to go through each album he does things that he did the evil knievel music video we have pamela anderson in the fucking video like he does certain things that are not supposed to work by any means but he still pulls them off and it becomes his whole fucking thing yeah when he dressed up like a japanese kid an anime kid with fucking shutter glasses and he had the whole tokyo fucking vibe and shit going on he makes everything work Yes, he does. He's like a fucking Ken doll. You go put him in any kind of the theme, and he's got a new version of Kanye. He's that's Kanye, figure. man. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, he's product. He is product. That's Kanye, man. And he just evolves with whatever he needs to. Mm-hmm. So it's possible to admire something about somebody and hate them for a different thing. It, yeah. I mean, I... I fucked with Kanye's whole dropout album when it first came out. That was back when I was throwing my mic over the bit, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Straight up, man. I really did. And then, like, you know, just as I seen him grow as a person, I knew he was just somebody that was... He's hurt. He's misunderstood. But he's got to a point in his life where he's just like... I feel like he gives a fuck, but he don't. You get what I'm saying? I, I don't know if you feel me on that. Mm-hmm. Like, Yeah, no, he cares enough. He cares enough. He cares enough to where he's like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this my way. So his heart's in the right place. Right. But I feel like I admire Kanye because he, he is he is like a booming bullet. Like he can bust through anything. Like we were talking about earlier, he can, he can literally never lose so hard where he can't come back and win he's just gonna keep coming back mm-hmm. until he wins because he he, he like, owns his jackassness <laughs> yes the he fact does that he's a jackass he owns he it. owns it bro like when we we're talking about how somebody can play the jester and and in, in, in between kingdoms in the court and pull the attention from the kingdoms and the people that's really the kanye blueprint because kanye really created that because you can't really say that eminem did the same thing because Eminem was underground until he wasn't. He was underground battling and then he was Dr. Dre. 
Yeah. You know? Well, Kanye, it was different because he was in the industry and he had to prove himself from day one. Yeah. He was the producer who gave Jay all the hot beats for the blueprint. <laughs> for real. Right? And then from there, he had to leverage the beats to get a record contract with Rockefeller. And he took a lot less money in order for him to throw up the rock sign. Mm-hmm. Because Capital wanted to give him more money. But he didn't have no cosign to leverage his cool off of. So he became the anti-Rockefeller member or uh, artist by being a Rockefeller artist, but staying the same and not changing. Right. So the pink polos and the Louis Vuitton backpack became mm-hmm. the new look for the prep. Because there was a voice in the hip hop community, in the African-American community, mm-hmm. that, that hadn't been established yet. It's the same way how Lupe Fiasco established the skateboarder. Right. Well, Kanye established the college dropout prep. Or the mm-hmm. college going prep. Kind of like how Drake embodied the college student. Mm-hmm. Because Drake rapped about college campus for fucking three or four fucking albums. Like, he was talking about, you know, picking a girl up off of fucking uh, her sorority room. And, you know, like, all sorts of crazy shit, right? Yeah, yeah. See, these artists embody a prototype or an archetype for so long until it doesn't work anymore. And then they have to rebrand themselves. I believe that. So Kanye was the college dropout until he became the superstar rapper that he was and then he became the fucking godlike idol that he was that he wanted to portray because mm-hmm. he, he graduated to being in the prince and michael jackson and celine dion and whitney houston you know the, all the ones that tragically fucking died he graduated into that class when he did yeezus mm-hmm. because he started to to portray himself as a godlike figure as opposed to just the regular uh every everyday what are they called the working man like the everyday working man like the people that we could relate to because we see him walking down the street or we work with him or we go to school with him right so now he's in the stratosphere and drake is in the stratosphere as well yeah he's made himself once you created like when he was the sixth god he he created this whole like i'm a god i'm larger than life kind of thing but they all die tragically and I yeah. think that both of these fucking guys have cemented that they're, they're, they're pretty much going out blazing. I don't think that you have to do that to get those levels of success. Look at Kendrick Lamar. <coughs> Kendrick Lamar won a Pulitzer Prize. Every album he's dropped has been a five-star classic. And I don't really feel like he's sold his soul. I guess is what I'm trying to say. No, not at all. You can just tell by the way that he talks. He's just been around some dark things. I think that he, that's why he's able to still continue to rap the way he raps. It, 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 yeah. it fuels his his art. You notice that you hear his wisdom talking and not even him talking anymore? Like, yeah. when he used to talk back in the day, it was Kendrick Lamar. But now when you hear him talk, it's like the wisdom that he has inside of him is now doing all the talking. Yeah. When he, he, he came back and made an announcement of where he's been the past four years. Right. And he talks about how he's collected a bunch of beach cruisers and he's been riding his bike and on hills and shit. It sounds like he's searching for some sort of inner peace. Mm-hmm. Because he's trying to keep the outside world from infecting his mind and his body and his soul. Indeed. So all we hear is wisdom. That's who's speaking. The inner Zen is speaking right now. Yeah. And Drake really thinks that this guy's not gonna tear him apart, limb from limb. He is literally here only for one reason: to take Drake apart. When he came out and he said top five, 
smoking on your top five. I'm that guy. Yo, number two, slide in my DM. I don't even ask why. Like, like when he says that, like I was like, oh my god, he is lining Drake up. He said that Drake's number two and I'm number one. And he said, you sliding in my bitch's DM and I don't even got to ask why. You want this smoke, bitch. You want to die. That's what I love about Kendrick because he will literally get wild when he needs to get wild. Yeah, he's a gangster. He is a fucking he's a gangster. he's a poet, man. He's, he's he a is. superstar. He is Pac. Like, he is Pac. Because Pac literally gave his life to this. To this music. He gave his life. He could have completely chilled the fuck out. Or maybe he couldn't. Because his shit was gone. He was all go. But Kendrick has a restraint and a wisdom to him that Pac didn't have. Mm -hmm. Kendrick learned from having lost Pac as a fan. Pac didn't have that. Because before Biggie and Pac, we didn't lose superstars like that. After them, we lose superstars like that. No, for real. We just lost Pop Smoke and King Von and Nipsey Hussle. Like, in the span of what? Two and a half, three years? Yeah, rest in peace. It's not like the world is any more dangerous than it's ever been. It's just now we have more access to information. No, for real, man. I mean, shoot. <laughs> I mean... You put I mean, the wrong ideas. Kanye posted Drake's address on Twitter. He did, which was really weird Oof. because, which was really weird because what that meant to me was that he did something on accident. Right he got, he, he did that on accident. Like this dumbass did it by accident. And he tried to delete it real quick because he was probably like snooping on Drake's crib or whatever. Like just making jokes. And then he accidentally posts this motherfucker's place. Right? Well, an accident can turn into a real life thing. Look at what happened to Pop Smoke. He posted his address by accident. But then it comes out that the fact that they were plotting on him for a week. So it wasn't even him posting his address that got him killed. It was the fact that he was bringing over the same girls to the same location. And they were connected to the guys who maybe didn't have as much resources as Pop Smoke. And that's what happened. Yeah, and that's a messed up thing, man. We lost one of the greatest artists. The real threat to Drake was Pop Smoke. Because he was going to change music in a big fucking way. Oh, yeah, he was, man. Because he was coming in the game global. He died and sold, what, three million records. Imagine if he would have been alive. We would have saw 50 Cent Part 2. For For real, real, for real. For real. For real. He would have done six, seven, eight million. For real. Especially when people don't have to drive to Best Buy. Oh, yeah. Easy. The songs he made, they still burn. Timeless. He made songs for girls. He made songs for goons. He made songs. He was a songwriter. Migos fucking cowered around Pop Smoke. They were over there in the studio trying to record as much music as they could with Pop because they knew that he was incredible. Everybody who was popping except for Drake went around Pop Smoke. Drake knew. Drake stays around for motherfuckers that he's going to have to worry about. Look at XXXTentacion. If you see a rapper right there that he hasn't reached out to, there's a fucking reason why. He just recently reached out to Lil Uzi, but how many years did he avoid Uzi? Drake didn't want it with Uzi when Uzi had it going on. Because Uzi had a fucking cult-like fan base the same way X did. And a beef with Uzi or one of these guys is only going to make them ten times more popular. Not for real. 
But Drake waits till people cool themselves off and then he comes through and does a song with them. Cause he's got something with X or uh, Uzi right now. And he just did something with Trippy Red. Like he waits till them, when they're kind of hot, he, he does a song and he, he might tease it a little bit, but he won't release the song, right? But when he's the hottest artist, he'll drop the song. So he comes and does the song with Trippy Red, boom. It comes out the very next fucking day. It wasn't even on the first initial drop of Trippy Red's last album that he just dropped. But the very next day, it was a bonus track that was on the album. Because Drake's project was coming out the next week. Drake's got power. He no, can he literally does. interrupt no, anybody's does, release. He can re- interrupt anybody's release. And then put a song that's mainly about him on their shit. Look at Sickle Mode. Sickle Mode was literally a diss track to Kanye, but it was also, the music video was a shot at XXX's death. Ooh. Do you remember the kid who gets hit by a meteorite in the fucking music video? I didn't see that one. That's X, That they're mocking the death of X with the meteorite hitting him. Ooh. Meteorite Shots. is symbol, symbolism for the bullet that shot him. And also, the meteorite is metaphorically Drake because he's in the airplane and then he becomes a meteor that hits the kid who looks like X. Dude, Drake obviously thinks that everybody is so fucking stupid or he's connected with entities that would make sure that he never was implicated for anything. Because how in the fuck can you blatantly brag about being involved in something that people know that you, you were involved with? It's that power free. It's power, man. And by the time he hears this shit, it won't even matter. So I'm fr- I talk <laughs> freely about this shit. You know he said it won't even matter. I, I talk freely about this because I think that the world needs to open their eyes. But their third eye, specifically. If you no, can read between true. the lines, then you can see what's really going on in real time mm-hmm. with a lot of these people. It's a wicked game. Game of chess. It is, man. If you always say that, man, it's chess, not checkers. That's right. Speaking of the game, the rap game, what is this uh, new project that you're approaching or, or starting to materialize? Like, what, what what direction are you taking your music in 2021 and 2022? Oh, man. Um, well, I, I worked for y'all this, this summer, you feel me? <laughs> oh, just this past summer, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, last summer I put, I, I, re, I got in the studio, I recorded about 60 tracks. Mm. Um, almost at least 20 something, 30 some out of them were, were features. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Um, and what I did was I just did a whole like year and a half's worth of work. You mm. feel me? Um, the project that I'm putting together now is uh, Martial Law. It's already finished. Um, I'm just getting some things finished, tied up with it. The where I can release it, uh, just waiting on a few contracts and things like that. Mm. But man, I'm excited for that one. I called it Martial Law just because, um, you know, in year 2020, they hit us with the COVID, you feel me? Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like everybody was so locked in. And we actually, we actually almost went into a Martial Law. It was, mm-hmm. the, it was in the news everywhere. Mm-hmm. People were talking about it, but I felt like it was right for the times. But I felt like Martial Law is also me, like, really putting my foot down, like, like, you gotta listen to this Mm -hmm. like this is me this is really me Mm -hmm. you know um i dropped the beginning of greatness uh when i was in college and i dropped um the landing in uh 2020 and so this year i'm gonna be dropping martial law and uh right after that's gonna come what lies within Mm. 
and um these two projects i'm super excited to get these out to y'all and to get these out to everybody because it's really it's really everything that i've went through in my prime i feel like in what i'm going through in my prime and i think a lot of people will be able to relate to it a lot of people will be able to relate to getting back to themselves in mm -hmm. this album um especially martial law mm -hmm. people will find a lot of um a lot of truths a lot of uh answers and a lot of solutions to their own problems just based off of what mm. hap happened to me you feel me mm -hmm. um and that's just because i do put my truth in everything and i'm not i'm not gonna get on the bullshit mm -hmm. yeah sure. you're not gonna you're not gonna serve something that's sugar-coated or right or against what you stand for yeah so i love the concept of martial law like how it correlates with our real time mm -hmm. but also how it has a deeper meaning to how you're putting your foot down right right um that's so important for artists to understand that you can have it your way it just might yeah. mean that you have to take a little bit more time or you have to spend a little bit more resources yes sir um but to own it is to know what it means to do it right because until you own it fully you're not really doing it you make the jokes constantly about YouTube artists who have tagged beats and things of that nature yeah. because that's one of those things that's so amateur. Like, if if, if you're doing a mixtape, it's promotion. I get it. You leave the tags on, it's promotion for the producer. But when it's repeatedly going through the whole fucking beat every four counts, that's something that it's like, okay, at what point is this not promotion anymore? Right. You know? But then when you're talking about albums, we can't do YouTube beats on the album. Right, right. We don't own that, mm -hmm. you know? And this is what I want to get along to a lot of young artists is understand that when you want to create music that's timeless, you have to own it. You can't create these mixtape bangers that you think people are going to run to because that's not your identity. That's not you. Right. No matter how much you think it is, it's not you. You could have the most craziest bars ever. It's always going to be mixtape shit. Yeah. People love Chief Keef's mixtape shit, but it's always his mixtape shit. It's never his beats, you know? You can say that for any artist. Look at Wayne. When Wayne was rapping over Nuck If Your Buck, it's one of the craziest times you ever hear Wayne, but you won't ever hear it ever outside of just people who know about it. Right. Because people will play, play Fireman or, or, or go DJ before they ever play any of the, the mixtape wheezy shit. Right. Because That's... it's always disregarded yeah. or discounted to lesser mm -hmm. value. Yes, it is. So ownership is something I preach to young artists because you really have to own your shit. You will be discounted and disvalued otherwise. Yes, you will. It's simple and plain. And another thing I want young artists to know is that it takes so long for you to have it your way. It if does. You wanna, if you want to be an artist that makes their own, has their own creative output 100%, you got to realize that you have to build it from the ground up. There is no, there is no having somebody invest money in you and they don't have a say in what you do. Right. If they put money in it, they have a say of what you do. Mm -hmm. And you have to do it or else they, they turn the faucet off on you. And then you can't drink anymore, you know? Yeah. That's another thing these young artists, because I listen to these young guys go off of what they learned from academic academics and all, like, all these other fucking Adam 22. And they only get one third of the fucking idea. They don't even get the full scoop because they don't speak to it in depth whenever they hear it in an article. So they just take it for surface value. But when you hear a podcast like ours, we break it down, we go through it, and you get the full understanding of the idea. Right. So these young artists, if you had to give some game to the young artist, just a couple things. 
What's going to make their path easier for them? What are some things that we could tell them that would kind of like light the way? Man, I tell them work on one project at a time. Boom. You know, um, that's just from the beginning. Work on one project at a time. Um, or get a bunch of material together and then just drop it as you have the funds for it. Mm. Um, and that's that's literally what I do. But to drop it, you're meaning video, song, cover. Yes. Uh, Apple link, Spotify yes. link. I'm talking distributor. You have to button it all up. All of it. It's, it's got to be yours. And that's the only way you're going to be successful off this. Um, I've... I have a homie that does this and does not have a job. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He His job is music. Like, this is what he wakes up and does every day. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And um, he pays himself, man. <laughs> and he pays the people around him. Um, he basically uses his catalog and portions it out at a percentage to the people that he works with. Mm-hmm. As far as promoters, um, people on tour his camera guy mm-hmm. whoever and that's how they get paid and they stay paid if you think about how the way that music works with the splits and everything with like spotify apple music you you get a check from all of these big streaming platforms it's possible for you to make money i mean it's not as much but it's more consistent than like an nft or a cryptocurrency mm-hmm. it's a futuristic way of accumulating money it's because nice. every single song that you drop if you put a powerful enough motor in the song mm-hmm. it powers itself yes, it, does. it gains its own revenue over time and then it becomes it like let me give you an example i have a song with indie it's called cbc chick mm-hmm. on spotify alone it's, it's gotten upwards to like 15k plays at that point, I don't have to share it again on any yeah. platform. It's going to get its fans on its own. Yeah. Because it's already proven to do so up until 15K. And I got other songs that maybe have 2 or 3K on just Spotify alone. It shows you that the motor is strong, but not as strong as that other song. Right. So, like, these ideas that you could put a thousand songs out there and they all have an individual responsibility of earning their own income. Mm-hmm. That's money. That's money we're talking. You put seven hours of music out there and then you promote it to the right extent, you don't have to work anymore. That's true. Yeah. So that's why we speak with the confidence we do because we do have the music. Maybe it just hasn't hit the right amount of years yet. Yeah. So that being said, I want these young listeners to understand you can make music for 20 years and barely start to get the checks that you've always dreamed about. That's very true. On day tw- on year 21. That's very true. It takes a long time, a lot of building to actually do this and be sufficient in it. Mm-hmm. It really has. Because what, what, how long has your, has your journey gone from? Like, Man, I've been like physically recording music since age 18. Mm-hmm. Feel me? Um, I just turned 30 this year. Woop, woop. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put a good um, 12 years in. You know what I'm saying? So it's about that time. It's my peak in time. It's, it's time for me to to start blooming out on the world and I think that's that's where this year's heading um major platforms and is it is it so much more the art that you have to put together or just the the strategies it's really the strategies and um me just building this solid team in this past you know year year or two um getting around 
better uh, resources, you know, mm-hmm. so that way I can elevate in the direction that I need to and something that's going to be successful for me and sufficient. So building a team, that's important. It's very important. Very important. I know people usually try and just build these groups or, oh, hey, homie raps, he raps, he raps, he raps, let's do it together. But then they aren't putting as much energy into um, maybe promoting it or um, individually growing as an individual artist because that's just how it should be. You know, Um, if you really care about putting your music out, they... I just feel like if everybody really focused on um, the independency of their music and where it could go and not worried about so much creating and doing things for fun and as a hobby, it would it would go to better places for them. Mm-hmm. I, I feel totally like, agree. I feel like that, yeah. I totally agree. And we're getting to a good point of where I want to kind of wrap things up and get some good ideas. I want to get your final words out on, on a couple of things. And I also want you to plug in people with your uh, with your, your pages and where they can find you at yeah, and yeah, things yeah. of that nature. Um, any, do you have any kind of like final ideas that you want to kind of seal this podcast episode with? Like maybe some words of encouragement or maybe just some ideas you want to put out in the ethos, you know. Uh, if you wanted to stamp this session with that lyrical authenticity what would you say what who are you talking to what are you doing man um i tell y'all always like i like i tell the people that's close to me live love and learn you know and do it in an evolving way and uh you know if you have a passion do it if you don't find yourself and find it that's what i was saying Find yourself and find it. That's real. Find yourself. That's, That's powerful right there. I think that that they found, that might name this podcast Find Yourself and Find It. That's real. But um, where can we find you? What platforms are, can we stream your music and sure. connect with you? Check me out on iTunes, Deezer. Um, under Lyric? Yes, Under Lyric. Check me out on... Uh, L-Y-R-I-C? Yes, sir. L-Y-R-I-C. Find me on Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Play, um, all major platforms, um, YouTube channels, Love Lyric 10. My Instagram is Lyric the One with the number one all together. And uh, check me out on Facebook, all my recent show updates, tickets, whenever I have shows and all that. So on Lyric Leah Atkins on Facebook. Tap in with me. All right. And, and I'm Triton Tori, and I'm going to wrap this up and to say that it's been a very, it's been an honor to have Lyric come through to the Tori Talk podcast. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have to do a round two, you know. Oh, I, yes, sir. I like to get it in the yes, second sir. round after after we let it marinate, after the first one comes out. And oh, yeah. Relink and then hit the hit the bags again, so to speak. Oh, so, yes. This was so, fun. This has been so fun, So thank you guy. so much. You already know, man. You, it's always love. Always, and we always, always it's always going to be that way. You can always come to the platform. One, one love. Word. One, one love. thousand. Peace.